and welcome to episode number 184 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen, by Stephen Andrus. We're going to go through week four of the NFL, our Megapod here each and every game. Some games we'll have thoughts on, some games probably just kind of breeze right past here because we want to focus on the games that we actually have bets on or games that we have actually real thoughts on and hope you can have as good a week as we had last week. Really good week in the NFL. A nice little bounce back from what was a pretty rough NFL week number two. If you want to follow Brad on the Twitter machine, at Brad Allen NFL. You want to follow Steven, at Steven Andrus 1. You want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. By the time you're listening to this, Thursday Night Football will likely be starting shortly or will already be going. So we'll go ahead and bypass that and go ahead and hit the first game here on Sunday. New York Giants and the New Orleans Saints, guys, as we take a look at this one, the Saints are seven or seven and a half point favorites, depending on where you look. Seven and a half at MGM, seven and a half at DraftKings, seven at FanDuel, a total that has plummeted all the way down to 41 at MGM. You can still find a 42 out there at DraftKings right now. Uh, this is a this is a matchup here of a really, 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 really Bad. I'm going to say bad. A really, really, a really, really interesting offense, I guess, from the Saints side of things, but a really good defense on the Saints side of things. And then we have this New York Giants team that's coming in all kinds of beat up at the wide receiver position. Not a whole bunch of playmakers there for Daniel Jones to really, uh, really get going with. That being said, both of you guys have decided to take the Giants plus eight. Stephen, I'll start with you. You're going to back the New York football giants in this thing against a good defense. Explain yourself. (laughs) I don't think this is as bad as back in the Jaguars in week two. I will say that. Uh, I think that, you know, the eight is gone that I bet earlier in the in the week. But if you can get a seven and a half, maybe it gets there across the board with some public money on the Saints on Sunday. I'd be good with that. I think the Giants are live in this game. I really do. I think the Saints are winning games with a, an offense like it's 1992. And I'm not sure that's sustainable in the year 2021. So uh, I think New York has been a little unlucky in back to back games here. They were actually more efficient on a per play basis than their opponents, but lost both of those games by a combined four points. And look at the offenses. The Giants 14th in DVOA and the Saints are 19th in DVOA. The Saints offense has 261 yards passing combined in their two wins this year. So can they keep relying on their defense is the question in this one with an offense that's bottom five in yards per play. So If you look at those situations, I'm going to bet on the offense that was a little bit better considering that I'm getting more than a touchdown at this point. And if you look at the pace scenarios and the pace statistics for both of these teams, if the Giants get behind, they are fifth in second half pace. They are second in pace when trailing by seven plus points. And the Saints are bottom five in pace in first and second half. So that's a good situation if you're trying to play catch up and if we need a backdoor situation. So I I like a lot here uh, to, to take the Giants and the points in this game. Brad, you also are on the New York football Giants plus eight against the Saints. I'm actually against you guys here at least a little bit. We both could win our bets for sure. What do you have here in the Giants at eight? Yeah, well, it's it's similar in that I think it's it's very tough to lay eight points with an offense that's struggling as much mm-hmm. as the Saints are. And I, I think Sean Payton is showing us what he thinks of Jameis Winston, right? With, you know, they're mm-hmm. the kind of top five um, in most run-heavy teams. You know, I don't, they haven't cracked 150 passing yards yet. Um, 
And to me, I think the game last week summed it up where, you know, they, they got a pump block to set them up the short field. They got a pick six off a drop pass. Um, and then Jameis threw up that kind of 10-yard touchdown pass where I think he admitted after the game, I, I couldn't see. And then Sean Payton shouting, <laughs> at him in, shouting at him on the sideline going like, what are you doing? Don't just chuck it out like that. And J- Jameis, <laughs> Jameis told a reporter after the game, he said, um, but God guided the ball. And he, he told the reporter, yeah, I, I told Sean Payton that God, God guided the ball. So, uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe God's on the Saints again this week. But um, I, yeah, I don't think it's not a sustainable offense. And I don't think it's a good offense. And I don't think Sean Payton trusts his quarterback. Um, then they're missing their left tackle, Terran Armstead, like all pro left tackle, one of the very best in the league. They're missing their center, Eric McCoy, who, you know, he was kind of the the the, the, the kind of the play call almost, calling out the blitzes to pick up. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think they will struggle against this Giants defense. Now, of course, Giants are going to be missing, well, could be missing their, their two receivers, uh, Shepard and Slayton. They're both questionable. I couldn't really find any info on whether they'll play. Um, so that's tough. But they've they've got Golladay, they've got Ingram, they've got some stuff. And as I say, if, if, if we think that the Saints are struggling to get past 20, then uh, I think eight points is very valuable. Yeah, all three actually didn't practice on on Wednesday in 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 Galladay, Slayton and Shepard. Um, Galladay, that said, does look like he it was more of a, a rest day, maintenance day for him. But the other two, with those being hamstring type things and stuff, it doesn't doesn't look too promising for those guys. So I took the Saints here at minus two in a teaser leg. Um, this defense is really really good and you're going up against and I understand he's looked good in a small sample size so far Daniel Jones has actually uh, graded out as one of the better quarterbacks according to pro football focus through the first three weeks of the season but again that was with his big time safety blanket out there in Sterling Shepard I don't think Sterling Shepard plays in this game and you are now going to ask him to get this done in a major major step up in competition against against this Saints defense that has given hell to everybody that they've gone up against this this year, which is really the only way that this team has actually been able to win any games so far is on the back of this defense. And I honestly believe as well that I, I buy into what y'all are saying about Jameis, that, that Sean Payton is probably going to pull back a little bit of what he asks of Jameis Winston. But that said, I also believe that this run game can get it done against the Giants as well. Uh, on a defensive side, if you were going to attack this defense um, right now, uh, 23rd run defense DVOA, according to the, uh, and then according to Pro Football Focus, they're the 20th defense run defense DVOA. So um, you, you can attack them on the ground, kind of go after those guys. And the rush offense of the Saints, as bad as the offense has actually been, is actually has been pretty good. Pro Football Focus has them up at second in the NFL as far as run offense goes. So if you're asking me, can the Saints get this done on that defense and only have to win by a field goal at home um, in a reunion game here, coming to the Dome for the first time this season, that crowd is going to be absolutely bonkers in there. I actually think there is a small, you know, I don't believe in home field advantage near as much anymore, but in this, as far as the Saints go at, down there in the Superdome, uh, home field advantage is definitely a real thing. So uh, I'll take it under a field goal here um, and feel pretty good about it. Hopefully we can all win. As long as you know, you, you guys can have the eight, I'll have the three and then we, we can both win on this game. Chiefs at the Eagles is a very, very interesting game to start things off uh, here on Sunday with as well. We have the, you're hearing it right, 
one and two Chiefs going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles this week. As we sit, it is a seven point across the line right now in favor of the Chiefs Eagles at home as seven point underdogs. 54, 54 and a half is your total in this one. Uh, Steven, I see that you have a bet here. I have a bet here. Uh, Brad, let's start with you, though. Didn't You didn't have a a bet on this one, but you do have a team that I know, you know, is, has, I don't even think is really underperformed all that much outside of just turning the ball over in the Chiefs and an Eagles team that really last week disappointed a lot of people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the Eagles. Like, you know, they, they were kind of built on the strength of their lines and it, they're gradually just getting chipped away by injuries. Um, and I think we kind of saw that on Monday night where they just got obliterated and, you know, they were the strength of this team was meant to be their D line and they were running out like four no names at, at points in that game. Um, so yeah, I, I do think they're not a good team. They're not a team thought we are. Uh, Kansas City, uh, you know, you, you said they're underperforming. They haven't won a regular season game by more than six points since week eight of 2020. Um, it, does that change this week? I mean, it, yeah, as I, I don't have a bet, it's tough to say, but it does feel like if they want to, and, and they might want to because of the start of the season, they can turn up and score 40 points. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the Eagles are famously or historically bad against the tight end. You've got the best tight end in the league. They're not particularly good at corner. You've got the one of the elite weapons in Tyreek Hill. So that, it does feel like the Chiefs can score what they want. Um, but they, they haven't really, they haven't blown anyone out for uh, for quite a long time. I uh, I have the Chiefs at five and a half. Now this thing opened five and a half. It was one of those things where I went in and played it at five and a half on the thought that if the Eagles got thumped on Monday night, uh, that this thing was going to go to a touchdown. I was fortunately I was right. This thing has moved all the way to a touchdown. So I have a Chiefs five and a half. In my account, as we sit right now, I also have them as part of teasers as well. I do believe if you look at this, I mean, we're still talking about we're still talking about a Chiefs team that is absolutely phenomenal on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not worried at all about them being able to score here in this game at all. I mean, they're number three overall offense DVO, uh, DVOA. They're number three, according to pro football focus. If you look at their EPA, they are really, really good as well. Success rate is really, really good. It's just been the turnovers so far. And I don't think you're going to get too many four turnover games. They've had fumble luck go against them as well in critical moments where they fumbled and they have not been able to recover those fumbles. So they have lost, you know, uh, couple of games because of that as well I'm not worried about this at all and this this honestly this Eagles team coming back here having to get this done on a short week after what they put out on the field this past week give me the Chiefs I will assume that this turnover thing that they have going on is not going to continue Stephen and that they are actually going to be able to put together at least a somewhat clean game and I think that they win this thing pretty handily yeah the Chiefs have generally been overrated against the spread, right? They, they've been overvalued. They are one twelve and one against the spread in their past 14 games, which kind of shows you that the public just gets too excited about this offense and doesn't factor in all of the situations. But with that being said, I hate the spot for the Eagles this week. You mentioned the short week. The Chiefs are pissed off. Uh, I have Chiefs minus seven in the account. I have a teaser leg on them minus one. I would not bet this minus seven and a half. 
So just just keep that in mind. But, you know, Brad mentioned the injury specifically on the offensive line. They've lost both of their starting guards to IR, Brandon Brooks and Isaac Samalo. Uh, their backup guard, Landon Dickerson, is questionable. Both of their tackles are questionable on defense. They lost the heart and soul of that D and Brandon Graham, their defensive end. Their two starting linebackers who are healthy, Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton, are 81st and 72nd out of 83 linebackers via PFF grade. So they've been awful. Uh, We saw all the mistakes that Jalen Hurts made on Monday Night Football, and they have a lot of draft capital at receiver on the outside. First round picks spent on Jalen Rager and Devonta Smith, but through three weeks, they've been average at best as well. They rank outside the top 55 out of 105 wide receivers on PFF. So, you know, we Matt, we talked about how how encouraged we were about the Eagles after week number one. But for me, that was contingent on staying healthy because this is not a deep roster. Like Brad said, I agree. The strength of their team is along the lines and those are really banged up right now. So despite the six turnovers the past couple of weeks, I like Kansas City to come out here and have a statement game on the road and just put up a ton of points. I think the Eagles might figure something out over the course of the season, but they're also not doing Jalen Hurts any favors at all with this play calling and how they how they've run this offense so far. I think they know it, but getting that fixed in a short week, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one again, already in the account, already have them in teaser legs. Texans at the Bills. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this one. Nobody's got any plays. And of course, it's the biggest spread of the week. I guess the only interesting thing would be that this uh, did fall down through the 17, opened at 17 and a half, fell down through the 17, sitting at 16 at DraftKings and 15 and a half at FanDuel, but has made it back up to the 17 over at MGM. So some people came back in on the bills here. Uh, Steven, just a uh, very quick thoughts on this one. Again, we're not, not going to spend a lot of time. None of us have any bets in on this thing. Yeah. Godspeed to the Texans betters out there that move that mm-hmm. down. Cause I'm not interested, but I'm looking to see maybe if there's a Zach Moss, anytime touchdown line here, if I can get plus plus one fifty or better, he missed week one, but despite missing week one, he has seven carries inside the 10 yard line and that trails only Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so he's got two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown over the past couple of weeks. He's clearly the goal line back in this offense, a high powered offense. So with a, a game where they should have a ton of positive game script and really no reason to have to run Josh Allen near the goal line if they don't want to against an inferior opponent, if I can get plus 150 or better, uh, I'm going to take a Zach Moss anytime touchdown. And I don't know if we'll actually get that number or not when as we're recording this, the prop lines aren't out for Zach Moss, but just something to keep an eye on. Brad, it's a uh, biggest spread of the week. The bills started to look like the bills over the last couple of weeks. The Texans with Davis mills are certainly not going to go anywhere whatsoever. Um, what do you, th- I guess all in all, you don't have a bet in. If you had to play a side, are you, are you laying the 16 with the bills here? Or are you going to take all those points in the NFL? It's still a lot of points. Yeah, so it's it's a tough one. It feels a bit like the Bills can name their score. Uh, well, I mean, one in, one interesting note I thought was uh, favorites of 17 plus 25, 34 and 3 against the spread since 1978. So suggests, you know, maybe maybe the uh, there's some value on the dog here, but as I say it's it's, it's quite it's a tough one for me. Panthers at the Cowboys, a very interesting game here. As we sit, we have the Cowboys as four or four and a half point favorites, four and a half at MGM FanDuel, four at DraftKings. Um, 
total of 51 and a half at DraftKings, sitting 50 and a half FanDuel and MGM points bet at 50 and a half as well. Guys, we have a Panthers team that has done what has been asked of them. Now, people are going to point to the strength of schedule and the teams that they have played. Well, you can only play the teams that are in front of you, and they have gone out and they have handled business as we sit right now. The Cowboys, on the other hand, have gone out and really surprised on the defensive side of the ball. We all knew that this team was going to be able to play offense. What we did not think that was this team was even going to be able to play suitable defense, and so far, they've even been better than that. If they can just play middling defense, I think that this team is going to be a pretty interesting team here. Uh, we do have a bet on this one. Steven has a bet in. Uh, but Brad, let's start with you on this. A couple of thoughts here. Panthers and Cowboys. Yeah, I think that the Cowboys might be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, so Funny I mean, you say that because I put in a Super Bowl future on them yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a little bit of, bit of that in the account as well. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we start with defense. Obviously, it was it was shocking last year, and I think some of that was the coordinator. You know, the kind of the talk coming out of the Cowboys was that they they didn't know the scheme. They were kind of confused. They were playing slow, um, and it it just all seems to be the opposite now, right? It, it seems like they're playing fast. They're all running downhill. It's it's a simple scheme. They're fifteenth in DVOA. Uh, defensive DVA, despite a tougher than average schedule. They're forcing a top five uh, amount of throws into tight windows. Um, and, and they have been banged up as well, like, DeMar- you know, missing Demarcus Lawrence, missing quite a few defensive linemen for the last couple of weeks. Um, but it's not seemed to matter. And then obviously the offense is, you know, an elite unit. I think it's it's first in the entire league in early down success rate. Um, they've gone up and down the field against whoever they've played. They run the ball, they pass the ball. You know, it's, it's it's elite. However you look at it, so I think you know. I think these this is like a thirteen win team, and I I've not really upgraded the Panthers too much. Uh, you know, obviously they they probably outperformed what we expected before the season, mm-hmm. but I think they still have glaring flaws. Um, on the offense, they're dead last in the NFL in pass block win rate. Um, so again, we, we, I talked about you know the, the Cowboys deep playing faster. So I think there's a good chance they get in Sam Darnold's face here. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they face the third easiest schedule in the NFL. And, you know, it's probably one of the reasons they are top in defensive DVOA. But they've been throwing a lot of complex blitzes at, at young quarterbacks like Zach Wilson. Um, but I think if you can block them up, um, you know, if, if you're if you're a, an experienced quarterback, an experienced O-line, and, and you block up these blitzes, then they can definitely be had on the back end. Um, you know, they, they lost JC Horn last week. They bought CJ Henderson in to play corner. But, you know, it's his, he's been there four days. I, I, I don't know if he's even going to play. And if he does play, how, how well he's going to play. Um, so I do believe that they can block these blitzes up and that then sort of Dak, CD Lamb, um, and Amari Cooper, I think they're going to have, they're going to have what they want uh, in that secondary. So I think there is value on, on minus four as it sits right now. Steven, you actually have a, a bet in your account on the Cowboys in this one. Is this more about the Cowboys and you believing in them? Or is it more about you not believing in Carolina, thinking that maybe they're a bit of a paper tiger? You know, I rarely lay it with a team on a short week facing a team that's coming off a mini buy here, but few teams have impressed me more versus our preseason expectations than the Dallas Cowboys. I've been really impressed with them. I think Kellen Moore's offensive game plan 
has changed each week based on the opponent. Uh, if you look at week one, Dak just checked out of a ton of runs, threw it 58 times, almost upset the Buccaneers. Week two, 27 pass attempts, 31 runs, won the game. Week three, did the opposite of what I expected them to do, considering we all thought the Eagles' strength on defense was their defensive line, ran it straight down their throats 41 times and averaged more than five yards per carry. So this is a balanced, elite offense. Top 10 in pass DVOA, top three in rush DVOA. VOA and played some pretty good opponents to start the year here. And you mentioned the defense with Dan Quinn coming in as the new defensive coordinator. They're forcing turnovers, yes, but they're also eighth in EPA per play. They're 14th in success rate. Kind of what you guys said. Just give me an average defense with this elite offense, and I think they can be Super Bowl contenders. So I really like them this week. I, I bet them earlier in the week at minus four and a half. There's actually some minus fours out there as we record this right now. And I'm not sure I can get there quite yet on the Super Bowl, but I do think I'm going to lock in NFC futures for them. I think the NFC path is actually a little bit tougher than the AFC as we sit right now, considering the Chiefs have looked a little bit vulnerable on defense. But with the Cowboys schedule and playing in a a really easy division, if they can get the one seed in the NFC, then they're not going to have to play the two or the three seed until the NFC championship game and only have to win one game there in the playoffs, potentially against the wild card team to get us to the last leg of those NFC futures. So uh, I like this team moving forward and they get a Panthers team this week without their best offensive weapon in Christian McCaffrey. They lost their star rookie cornerback, J.C. Horn, and their backup corners have looked weak. They're all given up other than, you know, one side. The guys that are going to replace J.C. Horn are all given up a passer rating of more than 100 in their careers and in recent seasons. So uh, a lot to like here for the Cowboys, not only this week, but moving forward. Listen, there's been some individual players on this Carolina defense that have certainly shined so far, and I'm not going to take anything away from this defense. And I think this team will be perfectly fine moving forward. This is just a incredible step up in competition from what they've gotten so far. You get the Jets in week one and Zach Wilson's first start. You get the Saints with Jameis Winston, who, again, we're not sure that Jameis Winston can do anything in the NFL anymore as it is anyway. And then you get Davis Mills making his first start in the NFL in uh, for the Texans in week three. Now you get Dak Prescott, a top five quarterback in the league, stepping in with an offense that's been absolutely humming and a defense that all credit to Dan Quinn in the world, right? I mean, he has figured out what to do with this defense. I mean, it's a pretty bold move to use a first-round draft pick on a middle linebacker and go, oh, by the way, go play defensive end, which is what he has done with Micah Parsons so far because he understands that, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my best players out there and I'm going to put them in positions where they can help uh, help this team the most. And, and doing something like that is just absolutely – it's unheard of 10 years ago. You would never do that. And then he's like, no, you know, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my best player in a position where he can help this team out the best. And it's worked out so far for this team and so yeah I stuck in a Super Bowl future here because I think they win this week and I think the number is going to be gone forever and so I didn't yeah. want to let this number pass and and I wanted to get it in there I like you mentioned Stephen I think they have an inside I think I actually think they have a pretty decent shot at the one seed now with the way that this has started to shake out and if that's the case they could make some noise especially if this defense continually improves over the course of the season. Remember, they're doing this right now with a banged up Amari Cooper as well and with Michael Gallup, who is standing on the sideline. He would all, he would be a boost to that offense when he comes back and Lyle Collins is standing on the sideline because of his five-game suspension. So there is a lot to like about this uh, 
about this uh, Cowboys team here for me. So uh, I also like the Cowboys this week. And if you want to go get a piece of them for the Super Bowl, you better go do it now because that number is going to be gone forever come Monday. You're never going to see it again. I promise you this. Hey, last note at BetMGM, you can actually also bet on who will get the number one seed in the NFC. And I don't know if this is going to stay like this after everybody else hears this. But as we're recording this right now, the Cowboys are 16 to one to get the one seed in the NFC at BetMGM. Wow, that's uh, that's wackadoodle. Yeah, that is wackadoodle. That's a good. That's a real good number. Go bet that. If you're in a market that you can bet that, go bet that. I can't. I'm not in the market. Find that. (laughs) Browns at the Vikings. Uh, Browns head on the road to the Vikings. This is a very interesting scenario as well because if you look and under, even though the record doesn't state it, this Vikings team has Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins playing at a pretty high level. Kirk Cousins playing the best maybe he's ever played in his whole career. Browns two-point favorites, two-and-a-half-point favorites at FanDuel, one-and-a-half at MGM, 51-and-a-half seems to be the total that we're looking at here. Um, Steven, start with you on this one. Um, Really great run offense so far for the Browns. This is exactly what we expected from this Browns team, being able to control games on the ground. Odell Beckham comes back for the first time in over a year last week and actually looks pretty good. I actually was pretty impressed with what I saw out of out of Odell Beckham last week. Still looked pretty impressive from an explosive from an explosive standpoint. Baker had no problem throwing his way, instantly steps in, leads the team in targets, and was out there on the field a lot of the time as well. And then, like I said, if you look on the Vikings side of things, Kirk Cousins has been phenomenal so far this year. And they have a couple of very unfortunate incidents that have gone to keep this team from being, you know, three and oh, for sure. And so I, I think this would look a little bit different if they're, if the record was different there for the Vikings, but it is a different matchup here as the Browns head to town. Encouraging usage for Odell Beckham, too, in his first game. It's only been one game, but he now leads the league in air yards per game. So they're going to be aggressive with him, it seems like, with Jarvis Landry still out. It won't be a lot of the underneath stuff. And, you know, he looks solid. So this, to Matt, to me, this is a bellwether game for the Browns. This is an interesting spot. You and I both have Super Bowl futures on the Browns. Mm -hmm. How good are they? I think this week's going to go a long way for telling us a little bit about that. It's interesting to me that this spread is exactly the same as it was last week when Seattle came to town and played the Vikings. So I'm not sure that the Browns are rated properly here, given the flaws with Seattle. But I also think that it's too close and there's not much of an edge for me to play either side here. The Vikings have looked good. Their two losses are by four points combined, and they should have won one of those if their field if their kicker didn't miss a field goal. So this to me is a game I'm going to enjoy watching, but I'm not necessarily betting. Brad, I actually have a ticket in here on the Browns at a point and a half. Uh, This is as good as the offenses look for the Vikings so far. This is a different animal that's coming into town this week in this Cleveland Browns uh, defensive line that has been able to go in and really just wreck shop so far this season. They've really been able to get in pressure. We've seen every bit of that. We've seen that talent that we we knew was there uh, really shine through so far for, for this team. I think the defensive scheme 
has worked out pretty well for them. And I do understand that Minnesota is, is got a two headed monster there. They've got Thielen and Jefferson. I understand that the KJ Osborne has come on for them. It looks like they figured out what they're going to do at the tight end position. I get all of that. I just think whenever we look at this and, and, and Steven brings up that, you know, you're, you're getting a Seattle team that was, you know, this basically rated the same coming in as this Cleveland team. And I have Cleveland way, way, way above Seattle in my power yeah. ratings and where they, where they belong in the grand scheme and pecking order of things. The deal is Cleveland's never going to win games flashy. That's just not who they are. That's not this type of team. It's going to always feel a little uneasy when you're back in the Browns because they just play defense and they run the ball a ton and they're not really that flashy, splashy type. They play slow. You know, they aren't running up there with no huddle all the time. I mean, there's just a bunch of things that that aren't really appealing whenever you put in a bet on the Browns. But at the end of the day, I think the way that they play football doesn't match up incredibly great here with this Vikings team. So I took that point. I, I laid the point and a half with the Browns. I feel pretty good about it. What say you about this game? Um. Yes, I I've not bet it. I came at it a slightly different angle. I, again, I see things broadly similar to to it to you. Um, I think the Vikings' offensive line is going to be the the issue here. So, twenty second in pass block win rate, and um, obviously in comes Jadavian Clowney, uh, Miles Garrett, and I think Kirk is going to find find it a little bit different, as you say, uh, than he has the last few weeks with with those two in his face all game. Um, but I also think the Minnesota defense is probably better than it looks. So they're 25th in DVOA uh, through three games, but they played the third hardest schedule. You know, the, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, they played uh, the Bengals, who are a solid offense as well. So they're also getting a little bit healthier with um, Donnell Hunter back. Um, he was back last week as well. But so I think the Vikings defense is underrated. <laughs> I'm not sure the Vikings... Mm offense is moving it so that that pushes me towards the under um again with cleveland you know they do run the ball they do play slow and this is a 51 and a half total um and and totals in the nfl they're going under uh, like 55 percent or so so far this year penalties up slightly maybe crowd noise having a a little part to play there um and and these high totals have been going under more often than not in recent weeks so uh, i thought that was worth a look Yeah, I like that angle really as well. I mean, you look at both of these teams, situation neutral pace, the Browns 26th in the league and the Vikings 25th in the league, right? They're not trying. These teams are not trying to run up there and and rattle plays off left and right. So they're they're definitely uh, one of the teams that are more deliberate with the way they want to play. And of course, we know the Vikings have been forced into passing the ball, I think, a little bit more than they want to. But we know with Dalvin Cook and now with Alexander Madison, they really do want to to run the ball as well. So I definitely like that angle for sure. Colts at the Dolphins as we sit right now. Two and a, two, one and a half, two-point favorites are the Dolphins at home over the Colts. A total very low in today's NFL of 42 or 42 and a half. Uh, Brad has a bet on this one. Steven has one of our writers that has a, an angle on this thing. Brad, we'll start with you. You are in on the Colts here. Explain yourself. Uh, yeah, well, 0-3 star. Everyone's kind of burying the Colts. Um, 
And I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think I don't think I think they're being downgraded too much here. So they've the defense for one has faced the hardest schedule of opposing offenses in the league. Um, they faced the Ram. They will so say let's start with the Seahawks. They they faced the Seahawks. Seahawks came in with a new offensive coordinator, brand new scheme. They, they you know it's, it's tough to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Rams come in there, brand new quarterback playing you know a different scheme that again the Colts haven't really seen. Um, and then last week the Titans got them. Um, and the Titans didn't do too much, but uh, obviously the Colts had a quarterback with two uh, two sprained ankles, and and he didn't really help anyone out. So I, I think the defense is much better than it's been given credit for at the minute. You know, they they've still got the likes of DeForest Buckner up front, um, and I really think he's going to cause some mayhem against this Dolphins offensive line, which is twenty eighth in the NFL in, in pass block win rate. Um, and we spoke about this last week, Brissett. Um, you know, I thought I, I thought the combination of Brissett and that offensive line was going to be a bad one last week. They kind of got away with it. Obviously, they you know mm-hmm. they they drove down the field late, converted two fourth downs. I, I had the Raiders there, so that cost me cost me some money. <laughs> um, but you know, basically throughout the game, I, I was I was watching that closely. His his average depth of target midway through the third quarter was two yards, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. You know, he, he improved it late when they were driving down the field. But again, throughout the the entire game, their success rate for the game was thirty nine percent. Like they played badly. I think it was four point four yards per attempt or so. Like they they weren't good. And now again, it's on tape. The Colts are going to know that that's that's how they're planning to play this. It's going to be dump offs and, and this kind of thing. So I think they can adjust for that, and I, I can see them holding them quite well in check. Um, as for the Colts' offense, I think they might be a little bit underrated as well. So they're they're twelfth in the NFL in early down success rate, but they've been terrible on 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 third down and fourth down, and they've been terrible in the red zone. Um, so we should expect some regression there. So. To me, it, it did come down to, do I want to go under? Because, you know, do I want Wentz on side or do I want to take the Colts uh, plus the two or in the first half plus one? Um, I, I think any of those three options are pretty good because I, I don't really see the Dolphins having that much offensive success. Steven, uh, I think if there is a game in the entire week that I could, if someone said you can you can pass one game and pretend it never happened on the week of the NFL, I think this one would be it for me. I uh, <laughs> don't really have any idea how I, I would attack, how I would tackle this thing, how I would go about it. You don't have a bet in, but you do say that one of our our senior writers at least has an angle that he was looking at. Yeah, Monawara likes Indy plus eight as a teaser leg, considering it has a very low total of 42 against the bad Miami offense. So here's a stat, guys, that tells you basically the state of the Dolphins offense right now. Jalen Waddell had 12 receptions on 13 targets last week for 58 yards. Like, holy, that's that's a that's a running back line. That's like a Najee Harris Pittsburgh Steelers line. And it's a wide receiver. So I like the teaser angle here that Mo has Indy plus eight. Yeah, that was that was, you know, they they basically were trying to use him as the extension of the run game, just like throwing it to him at the line of scrimmage repeatedly over and over and over again. And shocker, whenever you do it too many times, it ends up not working. Titans at the Jets. This is a very interesting game for a lot of people because this is going to be an extremely popular teaser leg this week, taking the Titans down through the two key numbers. This is sitting currently right now at seven. It was at seven and a half. It has dropped to seven upon the news that they might be without both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in this game against the Jets, a total of 44 in this one. So, if we're taking a look here, Stephen, 
mm-hmm. a Titans team that should be able to easily handle the Jets if they are at full strength. Now you say, okay, they're going to be without A.J. Brown. And you're like, okay, that's a downgrade, but you at least still got Julio Jones. And you at least, no, 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 no. They're going to be without Julio Jones as well. And now you're looking at a team that's going to have two backup wide receivers starting. You do still have Derrick Henry. This is very interesting for me now that we have this scenario where Ryan Tannehill is going to have to step out there with his JV squad. I assume this is a 27 carry day for Derrick Henry this week, but is that going to be enough to cover a seven point spread? (laughs) Guys, I mean, if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones don't play in this game, the Titans are trotting out Josh Reynolds, Nick Westbrook, and some human being allegedly named Racy McMath, who is straight out of a Key and Peele sketch. So I don't know what the Titans can do from a passing game standpoint here if they are that depleted. And their tight end, Anthony Ferkser, is battling something right yeah. now as well. So He had to miss last week, yeah. This is this is a an offense that was already 23rd in DVOA through the first three weeks on defense. They're 29th in DVOA. That's worse than the Jets D, by the way. Uh, They're 20th in PFF grade, 18th in coverage grade, 27th in pressure grade. It just hasn't been good. So I know that this is going to be a popular teaser leg because the Jets have looked horrific, but they've also played two very difficult defenses for a rookie quarterback to play and build. Belichick and Vic Fangio, the Denver Broncos. So this has too many red flags for me to bet as a teaser leg for Tennessee. And if we can get seven and a half on Sunday, I might lock that in. I can tell you, though, for a fact that our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, earlier this week already locked in Jets plus seven and a half and plugged his nose and bet it. So a lot of red flags here for Tennessee. Brad, uh, I'm I'm looking at this one and I'm wondering about a total. I mean, I understand 44, 44 and a half in today's NFL is not very much. I do get that that is, uh, you know, a, a, a total. There's not a lot. I, I wonder if that's still too much, however, because we have a Jets offense that's been able, able to do absolutely nothing now. Also, on the Titans side, they've been able to get no pressure whatsoever. They bring in Bud Dupree, but he hasn't really been able to change the the dynamic of that defense really at all. Do the Jets score 13 here? The Titans grind out 16 or 17 or something, and we look at kind of like a 30-point overall game because the Titans ended up running the ball 48 times or something in this game and the Jets really can't move it up and down the field. I, I'm wondering now, I'm t- as we've talked through this a little bit more, if I'm talking myself into an underlook. Yeah, I, I don't dislike it because I, I think you might be right that the Titans defense, it could be a little bit underrated, very tough strength of schedule, sixth hardest in the league. And then they've got some interesting underlying metrics, eighth in pass rush win rate, fourth in pressure rate. Mm-hmm. So they are they are doing some things and against this Jets offensive line. Um, yeah, I think I think they could have some success. I would I I think I'd come down on the side of the Jets plus seven though that mm-hmm. that said um, just because it is still a step down from what the Jets have faced you know I, I think Stephen just said it there the Patriots Bill Belichick Vic Fangio and the Broncos and then that Panthers team throwing crazy blitzes from all over the shop like this it, mm-hmm. is still going to be a a much much easier test for Zach Wilson and I would say if he doesn't if he doesn't do something this week then you can probably start getting worried in New York right um, but yeah I, I think asking a team with like possibly no wide receivers to cover seven um, yeah I, I think that's crazy I, I think there is good value on the Jets 
Lions at the Bears. And we have opposing bets on this one, guys. I love it when we have opposing angles on this thing. Steven on the Lions, Brad on the Bears. As we sit right now, you are finding this at three at DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM. There are two and a halfs available at PointsBet and 888. And Bet Rivers also out there at two and a half. So if you want the Bears, you're going to go to one of those shops. If you want the Lions, go to one of the other ones here. Brad, you are on the Bears here. I assume you got it at two and a half as well. Let's talk about this Bears team that has looked absolutely pathetic. How in the world can you back them? Well, that's, that's part of it, isn't it? Because they look so utterly <laughs> pathetic, right? But, you know, a lot of people talk about buy low. Well, you will never get a better chance to buy low on a team than like one net yard of passing. Um, and I, I think, so I think two things. One is that this, this, this Lions defensive line is not, is not Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. It's the it's the absolute opposite end of the spectrum, right? This is the the Lions are thirty second in pass rush win rate, um, and you know it's, it's particularly key with Justin Fields because he holds onto the ball for like in preseason it was two point nine seconds or so. You know it's it's as long as you can possibly hold onto the ball. Now, obviously, last week that was a disaster. This week, he might he might he, you know. If, if any team in the league is not going to be in his face within three seconds, it is the Detroit Lions. Like, if he's going to have a success against anyone, it is this team. Um, and he, he's got the weapons to get open downfield, right? You know, Darnell Mooney, uh, Alan Romton, they're, they're good NFL re- receivers and they're, they're better talent than anyone on the Detroit team. Um, and then, so the other thing is that I think Matt Nagy has to change up the game plan, right? You know, it, he was getting... Mm-hmm like lacerated on every every single NFL show, like everyone calling for his job because he came out with a game plan of like, you know, it was like an Andy Dalton offense, wasn't it? It was like stick routes, five-yard routes, get the ball out quick, West Coast offense. And like, it's just not what Fields is about. He's about, you know, deep play action, deep balls, get him on the move, move the pocket, all, all that kind of thing. So I think he has to do that this week because otherwise I think he might literally be fired. You know, there, there was a report if they lose this game, he will be fired. Um, so so I, I expect his best game plan and I expect, I expect the Bears to just have more time to do what they want to do. And if you just look at the talent on these two teams, you know, you do have good NFL players on the Bears still. Khalil Mack, um, those two receivers, maybe Justin Fields. Whereas like the Lions just have... They're just bereft of talent in like everywhere you look. So, um, yeah, I think an overreaction to what we saw last week in this line. Steven is on the other side of this one. Uh, not fully yet, uh, has not bought in on the money line for the Lions, but is looking at them on the teaser side of things, taking that two and a half up to eight and a half. Steven, let's talk about the Lions. I definitely locked in the teaser leg on the Lions with a couple other options that we talked about earlier um, at that eight and a half flirting with a plus 130 money line here. Haven't decided if I do, it would only be a half a unit. But I do agree with Brad that this is a buy low spot. The look ahead line on this game was Chicago minus six. And we're now down through the three. So this is not a, a situation where I typically will will just ignore that loss of value. But uh, on the teaser leg side, the total is only 42. So that's a solid teaser spot. Consider that as well. The more points you buy on a lower total, the more valuable they are. So Brad's talking about Matt Nagy possibly coming out with the best game plan he can this week with his job on the line. I'm just not sure he's actually capable of coming out with a good game plan. I mean, look at last week, right? As Justin Fields starting against a tough defense, 
that's a perfect situation for you to to script up and scheme up some easy first read passes to get him into the flow and get him into the rhythm. First 10 plays last week, the ones Nagy allegedly spent the week scripting. Run, run, scramble, run, sack, run, pass, run, sack, sack. I'm not sure he's capable of scheming open receivers for whichever quarterback is out there, even with good receivers like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. So I will say I actually am preferring Justin Fields to start again this week because he's just not getting any help. Andy Dalton, at least, you know, can play it safe and maybe sneak out a win here for them. So I would prefer Justin Fields to start again this week. But I just think Detroit has been a really competitive football team against a tough schedule to start the year in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. Green Bay and Baltimore. They looked well coached. The Bears only win this year. They needed 10 points from their defense to beat the Bengals by three via pick six and a turnover that put them already in field goal range. So I do agree that this is the ultimate by low spot for the Bears. I just don't know if they're actually capable of it, even against the Lions. So we'll see. I mean, I can certainly understand people not wanting to bet this game at all. And I'm not sure I'm going to bet Lions money line considering how much value we lost on it. But I I love the teaser leg here for the Lions. And maybe Brad and I both win. Yeah, uh, I haven't bet this yet. If Justin Fields gets announced as a starting quarterback, I will be on the Lions here. I don't think it's a buy low spot because sometimes something gets so low for a reason and you don't buy it because it sucks and you don't want to buy something. You don't want to buy something so low because it's gotten so low because it sucks and you don't want it. And so like, I'm not, I don't think it's a buy low spot on this Bears team. I think the Bears suck. I think they're a horrible team. And, and with Justin Fields, what we saw last week, we showed he's not ready for the limelight yet. He's not ready to start in the NFL, and that's fine. Rookie quarterbacks take a while to get good in the NFL. We got spoiled last year because of what Burrow and Herbert did, and we just think that every rookie should just step in and look like they belong in the NFL. There are there are we will not see uh, her, uh, two rookies step in and look like Herbert and Burrow probably again in, in, in our life, in our lifetimes. We've never seen it before. Like t- two guys just step in and look like they're 10 year veterans from the second t- they take the first snap in the NFL. I mean, I don't think that this is crazy to think that because, you know, the lions, yes, not very much talent, but the fact that they have a veteran quarterback presence, the fact that they can still run the ball half decent, the fact that they, the, the fact that they, like you said, played some pretty good teams, pretty tough so far. I do not, I do not hate this in the least bit. If Justin Fields gets announced as a quarterback, I will be on the lions. I will love to be on the lions. If it's Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, then I'll probably take a pass here and sit back and just watch the thing. So I will be definitely with my ear and eyes open as to how this gets uh, played out from a quarterback perspective perspective because there is uh there's a lot to like i think if justin Fields starts yet again here uh for the bears washington football team and the atlanta falcons uh let's uh none of us have bets on this one so we'll kind of fly through here brad washington football team what do you really make of them defense was supposed to be good hasn't really played good so far specifically the defensive line that was supposed to be good hasn't really played good so far you have taylor heineke in they do get curtis samuel back this week he got activated off of ir so maybe that helps on their offensive side and then we have a falcons team that we always thought the defense was going to be pretty bad but with all those playmakers on offense we thought oh okay well at least the offense is going to be good and we really hadn't seen that from this team yet either 
Falcons? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Falcons suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, de- they're, dead last in, they're dead last in offensive DVOA. They're behind They're behind the Bears, who, who had one net yard of passing last week. They're behind the Jets. You know, they're behind everyone. Um, Matt Ryan is, I think, 30th in PFF passing grade. And, you know, I, you know, I follow a lot of these scouts, a lot of these film, mm. film grinders, and the consensus is that He's Ben Roethlisberger light at the minute, right? His, his arm is gone, his mobility's gone. They're not they're not really using play action well. They're no one's getting open downfield. They're they're doing nothing, right? And I think on the other side of the ball, the Washington defense has been obviously a letdown as well. But I think I think that's much more reliant on the opposition. Defense is much more reliant on the offense that you're playing, right? You know, the offense dictates the terms of the game. So if you if you watch that Washington game last week. They were still they were getting penetration. Like the, the defensive line was winning up front, but they weren't they weren't rushing as a unit. I think they came out and Ron Rivera said it afterwards. He was like, we need to coordinate the pass rush. Because someone would penetrate. Josh Allen would just skip through the little hole and like once he's just skittling in the open field, he's got his receivers running downfield. Um and he and he toasted them. So I think they, they've they've definitely got the horses up front to get in Matt Ryan's face, and if they work out just those little kinks about who's rushing at what depth, you know, it, I think they'll definitely have pressure. And I'm I'm not at all convinced that Matt Ryan's suddenly going to turn it around and be mm. his old self this week. Um, so I would say that football team under three points is a bit of a bargain. Matt Ryan, 25th in PFF passer grade through the first three weeks here, Stephen. He is only ahead of rookie Trevor Lawrence, rookie Zach Wilson, Taylor Heineke, who wasn't supposed to start for them anyway, Jameis Winston, who we said might be hashtag bad, and Ben Roethlisberger, who we know is hashtag bad. So that is where Matt Ryan sits through three weeks of the uh, of the season right now. Uh, you don't have a bet in on this one either, but just uh, some quick thoughts here. Yeah, early week money actually flipped this from the Falcons as a short favorite to Washington as a short favorite. So that tells you a little bit about where some of the the, the more sharper minds think these teams are at going into this game. That move, though, to make the Falcons a short home favorite uh, has led our our senior writer Mo Nawara to put the Falcons into that teaser territory, plus seven and a half as a teaser leg, total under 50. He does highlight all of the the red flags, though, that Brad mentioned with how bad their offense is. So um, that's something to keep in mind, even though it is Matt Ryan against a backup quarterback. Just understand that you still got to score points to, to hit a teaser leg. So this won't be one of my teasers. I'm trying to stay hot here. I'm six and oh on my teasers so far this season. I won't be using Atlanta as one, even though this does allegedly fit the mold so to speak me neither i play a lot of teasers i want no part of that one at all cardinals at the rams one of the premier games on the week here this is a battle of two teams that look at this point we knew it was going to be that way with the rams but now the Cardinals have Super Bowl aspirations as well. Well, this is two two teams that have really performed well here early on in the season. Steven, you are looking at making a play in this one, and it looks like you're trying to lean towards the Cardinals. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I am thinking about it. Uh, there is a plus five still out there. Most of the the books have this down to plus four and a half. It's kind of been floating around there all week. I'm just looking at these teams, right? And considering that Tampa Bay was a short favorite last week, and now Arizona is 
a pretty decent underdog in this game. Arizona's defense is much better than Tampa Bay's D through three weeks in terms of EPA per play, DVOA, and yards per play allowed. Arizona and the Rams offense, both top three in yards per play, both top five in DVOA and EPA. Tampa Bay, that small favorite. Now, Arizona, four and a half to five points. That's telling us that Arizona is almost a touchdown worse than Tampa. I don't believe that. I think Kyler Murray in this offense is elite. And I think his mobility and being able to make something out of off scripted plays is a huge weapon for this offense that the GOAT Tom Brady doesn't have at this point. Now, they're still awesome. I'm not saying the Bucs are bad, but I'm just saying that the Cardinals are more multiple on offense than Tom Brady is. So uh, in terms of PFF grade, Kyler Murray's actually also been a little bit better than Matthew Stafford this year. So. I think this line might be too high considering how well the Cardinals have played on offense this year and their ability to maybe generate a little bit of a pass rush. So talk me off of it, guys. I'm, I'm not I haven't, I'm not convinced yet, but I'm, I'm starting to lean that way. Brad, we have a total of 54 and a half or 55 in this game. We have a team in the Rams that I think would be pretty surprising to people that they are the fastest pace team situation neutral in the NFL right now uh everything seems to be clicking on offense obviously cooper cooper cup already basically having a a monster season if things go for him a definitely a career year for him the upgraded quarterback for the rams is certainly visible you can tell they're able to run plays that they want to run that they weren't able to run whenever jared goff was a quarterback for them on the other side you look at this cardinals team and i guess they're getting it the, i think i guess the thing that's shocking to me and i want your opinion on this is they're getting it done without really help from DeAndre Hopkins so far. I mean, he had a decent week one, week two, week three, basically non-existent out there. And I guess that shows you how deep the talent level is here on the Cardinals, where you can one week it be Rondell Moore, the next week it be A.J. Green, Chris Kirk, or whatever it might be that they're able to still get it done with these other guys. But it's at least a minimally concerning, a little bit concerning to me, that DeAndre Hopkins is getting these, this shadow coverage and they're not able to, to find ways to get him involved in the offense we know he's going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment this week so if that's the case is this team good enough to beat a Rams team with a Christian Kirk and an AJ Green and stuff like that I mean that's what I think we really at the core of this have to try and figure out because he's he's going to get Jalen Ramsey these these shadow corners have been able to shut him down so far yeah well you know they that's obviously what they invested in in the offseason wasn't it is it was we we can't just rely on Hopkins chucking it up to him 12 times a game so let, let's get these let's get these ancillary weapons um but i i think it also speaks to cliff being not that creative you know i think there was a stat we gave in in the offseason where like the the cardinals had the highest percentage of just backside backside curl routes you know they they literally just put hopkins over on the on the left side of the field on his own and have him run a, a 10 yard dig and uh, you know i think it speaks to cliff not being that creative and obviously on the other side of the ball you've got someone who kind of <laughs> is what cliff wants to be um i think that the cardinals are a good matchup for the rams although you know the the rams have the edge in this matchup um you know that Murray is 0-4 against the um, against the Rams since he started there. And I think if you think about the way he wants to play, he wants to get out of the pocket and start making things happen. Um, but And then, he, you know, he wants to throw deep when he does that. He wants explosive plays. But the Rams' entire defense is set up to stop explosive plays. You know, they, they'll 
they'll try and keep him in the pocket. But if he does break out and look downfield, they're going to have two safeties deep because that's that's just what they do. Um, and then on on the other side of the ball, I'm not sure who covers Cooper Cup, right? You know, the, the Cardinals defense is, is strong on the defensive line, but the Rams are the second best pass blocking line in, in the league at the minute. Um, so if, if they keep, you know, if they keep J.J. Watt out of the backfield, then uh, I'm, I'm not sure who's covering these Rams receivers, especially with Deshaun Jackson. Like he, he was running wide open all over the field last week. Stafford could have hit him for three touchdowns. So mm. um, yeah, I, I don't know about the game. I've just said a lot of words with, without much to take away, but I would say I think the Rams are going to score a lot of points and um, I, I'm not sure Kyler might have some trouble keeping up. Yeah, I was the only bet I'm kind of looking at is Rams team total. Haven't played that one yet, but it's certainly something that I could see myself coming around to. I think the Rams score a lot of points in this game as well, whether that is because they have to keep up and they have to go score for score or because they're just able to exploit the the defense here, the Cardinals. So I do like that, but uh, I am very, very interested in this game super looking forward to this one one of my favorite games uh, of the short season so far to see what these teams are made of Seahawks and the 49ers uh, Seahawks head to the road head on the road to San Francisco to play as three-point underdogs here 51 and a half 52 is the total here I'm gonna start with you here Brad uh 51 and a half 52. This seems a little high for me. Like, I think we have this this notion that the Seattle offense is maybe a little bit better than it actually is and certainly a little bit better than it actually is at sustaining the level of scoring. And I, you know, the assumption of rational coaching for us gets in the way a lot of times and Seattle scores points, they get up and then what does Pete Carroll want to do? He wants to sit down on that lead and he wants to quit being aggressive and he doesn't want to keep his foot on the gas. And no matter what the advanced metrics say, we have to like also take that aspect into consideration here, right? I mean, we're all analytics guys. We all love the numbers, but sometimes you have to factor in the guy standing over on the sideline as well. And and Pete Carroll at this point is probably in the bottom 10 for me as far as anybody that's running a, a sideline over there. And so um, what do we think as they head on the road as underdogs to the 49ers? Yeah, well, to, to your point there, they've got this bizarre splits, the Seahawks, where – in the first quarter and the first half, this is like clearly the best offense in the league by DVOA. And then in the second half, they fall off a cliff entirely. Now, like, I don't really know why that would be the case, whether that is them getting too conservative. Um, you know, as you, as you say, whether it's Pete Carroll going, right, mm-hmm. slow the game down now, guys. And then it's run, run, pass. And uh, they, they, you know, they lose momentum. Um, but that, you know, that should be fixable given given the personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this, I thought the Seahawks were my favorite bet of the week, that said. Um, so I, I would say we give we give San Francisco one point for home field in a divisional game, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not a particularly loud stadium. There's there's almost no home field in the NFL this year. So we give them one point. So are, are, they, are they clearly two points better than the Seahawks? Like, I, I'm not sure where that is the case at all. Mm. Um, I would say the Seahawks offense is still better, better receivers, better quarterback, you know, maybe, maybe a worse scheme, but they, they are also yeah. scheming well in the first half. So, uh, you know, that, that should be fixable. Um, and the, the matchup I think is the, the lack of 49ers cornerbacks. Um, obviously they were thin going into the season. They lost Verrett that, you know, they, they signed Josh Norman off the street. They're trying to sign Buster screen off the street. Um, then they lost two more corners last week against green Bay. And 
Like it, it showed up in the stat line. Rogers was getting rid of the ball in about two point three seconds, like half a quick, half a second quicker than he normally does, because people people were wide open. People were wide open, as you know, as soon as the ball was snapped. And again, thirty seven seconds left. He goes down the field in two plays because they have no corners. Well, you know, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson. I, I think they're pretty well set up to take advantage uh, of a of a lack of corners. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a matchup advantage. I think there's a number advantage um, because I, I just don't think the, the Niners are better than the Seahawks really in in any area. So uh, yeah, that, that's my favorite bet of the week. Yeah, I am pretty bearish on this 49ers team as a whole. And then you add in a bunch of the injury situation. I don't like this team really going forward. I have I went in yesterday when I made that the same th- at the same time that I made the Super Bowl bet on the Cowboys. I also made an under bet on the adjusted season win total for the 49ers. Um, I think that this team is getting overvalued a pretty decent amount right now. They've been scrappy and that's fine. And I think that that's that's, you know, certainly something that we can take into into account here. But they haven't been able to figure out how to get Brandon Ayuk involved into this offense at all. The running back situation, of course, we know is a mess. Injury situation is a mess. They're trying, you know, they were trying to get Richard Sherman to come back because they needed it so bad. Uh, Steven, if you're going to give me a field goal with Seattle, do you do you not take the field goal with Seattle? Yeah, I haven't put it in my account yet, but I'm close, man. I, I would only consider Seattle in this game like the two of you. And overall, I think both are pretty darn close to each other in a lot of key metrics. I think these teams are almost carbon copies of each other. They have solid offensive stats with below average defensive advanced statistics. But Seattle has a significant quarterback advantage in Russell Wilson against Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G is 27th in PFF grade among quarterbacks. So, again, like what Brad said, I share his thoughts. I can't wrap my head around the fact that the Seahawks have only scored 4.3 points per game in the second half. But are number one in the league in yards per play by a pretty significant margin. They're 7.4, and the next closest team is Arizona at 6.8. So I think it is fixable at some point here. I was trying to figure out what's going on in the second half, so I went back through some play-by-play logs and looked at some highlights and tried to figure it out. And they aren't going crazy conservative with – having a lead or in fact they were actually behind against Minnesota for most of the second half so they are calling still a decent amount of pass plays but they're giving up a lot of sacks and I think a lot of times we talk about you know mainstream sports media is going to put sacks on offensive line but I think a lot of that is quarterback play as well I'm I'm convinced that Russell Wilson can fix those sacks or get out of the pocket and avoid some of those situations or get rid of the ball more quickly to his hot. So um, I would only bet Seattle in this game. And considering the fact that the San Francisco 49ers struggled to score points against Philadelphia, gave up a ton of points late to a Detroit offense and then needed a crazy comeback to try and sneak out a home win against Green Bay after going down three scores. I'm not betting on a San Francisco team with a lot of red flags. I would only bet Seattle in this game. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Steelers at the Packers. As we sit right now, the Packers are six and a half point home favorites, a total of 45 and a half. Uh, My analysis is very simple on this one. If they do not have TJ Watt and Ben Roethlisberger is still playing quarterback, I am not backing the Steelers team in any way, shape or form under any scenario moving forward. It is blatantly apparent that Ben Roethlisberger cannot play quarterback in the NFL at a high level anymore. When your running back has 19 (laughs) targets, good Lord, you are afraid to throw the ball down the field and he cannot do it anymore. He cannot do it effectively. Najee Harris, 19 freaking targets this past week. I thought I was, I thought I was seeing something whenever I was looking through all this. So I mean, this is easy. A Packers or fade for me, not in the account, uh, Stephen. Uh, not in your account either. But uh, I can only imagine you're you're along the same lines as me. I don't have much interest in backing Pittsburgh for the rest of the season, yeah. frankly. Uh, like I, I echo your sentiments there. I will say, if you are looking to to back the Packers this week, just keep an eye on the on the forecast. There's some potential rain and wind for this game at Lambeau, so just keep an eye on that. If it's a sloppy game where it's a little more difficult to pass the ball, that's going to be tougher to cover a number like six and a half. Uh, but Brad, I'm, I'm curious, like this is a this is a similar kind of situation with the number that what we saw with Chicago, where it's been a big move off the preseason number. Green Bay was only minus two and a half on the preseason line here. It's now near a touchdown. Is that too big of a move or is it justified for you? I, I think it's justified, like off the quarterbacks alone. You know, you've got one. Yeah. You've got one Hall of Famer playing at the peak of his power still, and you've got one guy, like, he, he can't roll out. You know, you, you might have seen the the videos of him trying to roll out, and he just sort of flops to the side. It, and It looks like he's <laughs> it looks like he's doing it on purpose. Like, it, yeah. like it, it's so bad the way that he moves. It looks like someone's trying to, like, make you laugh or something. Like, that they're, like he's doing it on purpose as a joke, but it's yeah. not. Um, but like he's not throwing deep middle. Like you know, he was dumping off to Najee Harris. It was fourth and ten, and he and he dumped it off with three defenders in front of him. Like it, as you Unreal. said, like they're not even trying to win. Um, first quarter points scored by the Steelers' offense since week eleven of last year. Uh, zero, 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 zero is zero. It's zero for the last eleven games or so in that they scored in the first quarter. Um, the, I, I just think he's cooked. Um, you know, the the weather is a problem. You don't want to be laying a touchdown or or six point five if if no one's scoring. Um, and you, you, I also would say Tomlin as an underdog historically, he, you know, 
he's been the kind to get to get them fired up. It's, this is this is a similar spot to the to the Bills in week one, right? They were six point five underdogs to the Bills against a superior quarterback. They went in there and, and and roughed them up and won outright. Now the defense was intact then, which it might not be this week. TJ Watt is is huge, but I, w- I would say if TJ Watt doesn't play, then I just think like how can you not lay six and a half with Aaron Rodgers versus this quarterback? Yeah, I saw I saw rain. I didn't see wind in the forecast here, so I don't okay. think it's going to be that uh, that big of a deal here. The other thing is that um, you know I would point out this Steelers team, depending on where you are with your bankroll, because again, it it's not for everyone. But if you've got a nice bankroll, or whatever, if this Steelers team gets behind, they are a team that you pile on. <laughs> and just beat over. They are not built to come back. Like this team is not built to come back. He cannot push the ball down the field. He cannot. He is like as Brad mentioned. Like they had to get a first down. He's still dumping the ball off to to a running back. Like like this this team cannot come back from a double digit lead at all. So if you have the bankroll for it, this will be a team that I will be piling on in game against when they get down in games moving forward, because they are not going to be able to overcome big leads moving forward. It's just no, there's no talent there at the quarterback position in order to be able to get that done. So uh, just something to be said. They also can't help him in the running game. Last thought on this game for me, the Steelers are dead last in rushing success rate at 16.7%. The next closest team is over 28%, the Falcons. So the consequences of them drafting a running back in the first round instead of helping Ben along the offensive line are fully on display early in the season. Ravens at the Broncos. We all have bets on this game as we sit right now. The Broncos are one point home favorites at most books it has flipped at FanDuel where the Ravens are one point road favorites there 45 and a half 45 is your total in this one and uh this actually is my favorite bet of the week um this is a Ravens team that I think our last memory is them having to hit a 66 yard field goal against the Lions to uh to win well what we didn't what a lot of people who are box score watchers and didn't really look at it from a big macro standpoint here was they were without a lot of starters in that game, either due to injury or due to COVID. Well, they get back Brandon Williams, Justin Houston, and Justin Matabuke this week. All three guys, uh, two starters, one guy getting a massive amount of rotation. So all three of those guys come back in on the defensive side of the ball this week. Oh, by the way, a very thin wide receiver core now gets much, much better as Miles Boykin and Rashad Bateman get activated off of IR as well. You've got the Broncos missing uh, Jerry Judy. Now KJ Hamler goes on uh, season ending IR for them. There's just a ton to to dislike here. And listen, we same thing that we've said about the Panthers. You can only play who the NFL has put in front of you so far. So one thing we can say about this Broncos team is they've gone out and they've got it done against the pathetic schedule that they have had to do it against. And they have done it well. They are, you know, two, a couple of two touchdown wins and then a 26 to nothing shutout. But it was of the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets. About as soft an opening to a season as you could possibly have. It is a different animal coming to town here now in this Ravens team with more weapons at wide receiver after getting activated off the IR with more weapons than we saw last week because half these guys were on deep on the defense were were inactive because of COVID. 
Uh, I think we're just getting a really, really good number here to be able to get this team as an underdog. I played them at one and a half and I have them in so many teasers up to seven and a half as well. Brad, uh, I know that Steven's thinking the kind of the same as me, but you're looking more at the total in this thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. I was surprised to see this at 45, a couple of rogue 45 and a halfs floating around. Given, you know, given what a what we've seen from the Broncos, I think they've gone under all three games, but also given the injuries that you touched on there, um, you know, missing Judy and Hamler at wide out, probably going to be missing both offensive guards here as well, which is, again, not good. Um, and then the Ravens, as you say, getting healthy on defense, all those guys off the COVID list, the Getting Jimmy Smith back last week played, I think he played 19 snaps or so, but he's going to be playing more out there. Mm. So who's getting open? Like who's who's blocking for for Teddy Bridgewater and who's getting open? Like I, I really do see the Broncos struggling to move the ball. Um, but on the other side, I, I'm not convinced Lamar is suddenly going to start going nuts through the air. Mm. Uh, now he's got a couple of extra receivers. For one, they're still weak at tackle. You know, they've still got Villanueva uh, playing left tackle, unless Ronnie Stanley's. Is, back I, I i thought he was still out you, you got any news on that one yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen an official designation on him yet um but yeah villanueva is, is is not blocking von miller and then the broncos corners are best in the nfl per pff grading so you know you've still got hollywood brown and or, you know rookie rashad bateman mm-hmm. like you know it's not an elite passing offense so I can see the Ravens struggling to move the ball as well. They'll probably have some luck on the ground. You know, they, they, they run against everyone on the ground. But mm-hmm. again, that's that's pretty good for an under, if they're even if they're biting off six yards a chunk. Steven, you, like me, are in on the Ravens, also in on the Ravens and teaser legs. I thought this line move was an overreaction. It was Baltimore minus three. It's moved four points now uh, to one or one and a half for Baltimore as an underdog. Look at what these offenses that Denver had to had to play did in the first couple of weeks here. The Jets, Jags and Giants are all below average red zone scoring percentage. The Ravens now they have to face are number three in that category. This is also one of our lead writer Eli Hershkovich's best bets. He likes the Ravens. Baltimore first in yards per rush attempt and boast the seventh ranked EPA per rush. And that's setting up Lamar Jackson on the play action. He has the fourth highest play action completion percentage at more than 78%. So um, I think that this line was an overreaction. I'm happy to get four extra points of value on it. Bucks at Patriots. Don't know if you guys have heard or not, but this is a pretty big game. Uh, yeah, a pretty big game here. Uh, there's a guy that is returning to uh, a team that he used to play for, going to play in front of his fans and play in that stadium. Uh, his name's Tom Brady. Yes, uh, it's only in every single freaking uh, headline across the entire world right now. The Bucks seven point favorites, forty nine. The total in this one, I got on the Bucks at five and a half. It's now long, long, long gone and sitting at seven. So I don't know if I love it as much at seven. That being said. Steven, there is the Brady and Gronk stick it up your you know what factor that is going on for this. And listen, if you ask anybody about Tom Brady that knows him, all of these people say that guy is literally the ultimate competitor. You do not piss Tom Brady off. He is just that guy. I have a feeling and I got it at five and a half. If I didn't have it, if I just fell from the sky right now and didn't know a five and a half ever existed and I could have gotten a seven, 
I think I would still lay the seven with this Bucks team going up against this Patriots team because I honestly believe that Tom Brady and them are going to go out and try to prove that, yeah, it was me all along. It wasn't the system. It wasn't the coaching. It wasn't whatever. It was me. And then on top of that, I mean, the statistics kind of back this up as well. Look, you've got a team in the Patriots that just lost James White, who, by the way, we say running backs don't matter. But when it comes to a guy that's a safety valve for a rookie quarterback like James White, who also is as good in pass protection as James White is as well, that veteran presence in the in the huddle, that is not to be overlooked in an era of running backs don't matter. James White certainly matters for a rookie quarterback. And the other thing that we've seen just here from Mac Jones is he's a game manager. He's, he's not a go out and win a game for you type of guy. And they don't honestly have the weapons for him to be that guy right now. Look, they did the best they could in free agency. They did the best they could in the draft. But your starting wide receivers are Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Meyer. I mean, like this is this is what he has to work with, you know. And so I uh, again, if I fell from the sky and I had to and the only option was for me to lay seven, I would be laying seven with the Bucks in this game. The only way I think you can bet the Patriots here is if you believe their offensive line can hold up against an elite front and be able to take advantage of their vulnerable secondary. And I'm not sure these receivers are good enough to do that. So I'm with, I'm probably not going to bet on the game on the, on the side of the total, but I'm with you. It would be bucks or pass for me. Uh, here's a fun note. There are some props out there for this record breaking pass and <laughs> Apparently, Tom Brady has a 69% implied probability to break the Drew Brees passing record in the first quarter. So at 69%, you can also get Gronk to catch the record breaking pass at a nice four to one. So if you believe in the old Gronk 69 numerology, there you go. <laughs> a very nice four to one for you. Brad, we have, uh, you know, look, Tampa coming off of a loss here. Patriots coming off of a loss as well. Uh, Tampa, that said, I mean, if you look at the advanced stats, PFS still has them fourth overall offense, still has them fifth over uh, DVOA still has them the fifth overall offense. It's not like the defense is bad. It's just not as good, maybe, as we thought it was going to be. I assume you think they win the game. My question to you is, do they win the game by a touchdown? Um, probably. I've, I've not bet it. I mean, I, I think it's safe to write off this game last week against the Rams. Um, yeah. The Bucks actually won the success rate battle there, 51% to 44%. You know, they, they had a couple of big drops from Gronk, like a 30-yarder he dropped. He dropped a touchdown as well. They, they lost Jamel Dean. They're already thin at corner. And when Jamel Dean went down, you know, I think they they lost they lost hope of winning that game, to be honest. Um, but they, they've obviously signed Richard Sherman to try and shore that up in the short term and the long term. Um, but will it matter against Mac Jones? Like, I think the Patriots have a chance to win games. A, when their defense can confuse you. Not going to happen here, is it, against Brady and, the, and these weapons? Um, and B, when they can run the ball and let Mac Jones hit some screens, hit some play action. Um, well, we kind of saw last week that what happens if you can't run the ball against the Saints. You know, they're, they're not dissimilar defenses with very stout up front and then decent cover guys. Um, he, he cannot push the ball deep with these receivers. So, yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree with you that it could be a bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, and listen, 
I'm not saying that this like makes a huge difference or something, but they also get Antonio Brown back off of the COVID list for this. And like, I'm not saying that Antonio Brown is like a key to success, but when you have, when Brady has the multiple options, right? So like, as we saw in week one, teams really put a ton of emphasis on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's like, oh, okay, well then fine. Antonio Brown's going to have the huge game. Then that's fine. If you want to give me him, then I'll get yeah, whatever. So having that extra option is actually a thing as well for me. So uh, again, he'll be back off the COVID list and be out there for this Bucks team. I think actually just quickly, sorry, the, mm. the way to play it could be Brady over two and a half touchdowns. Um, I'm seeing plus mm. plus 125 on that. And I like they're, that. they're not, yeah. not going to be running the ball inside the five yard line, are they? This is going to no. be the Brady show. No, no, he is. Yeah. yeah, he he will audible out of any call that ever comes yeah. in in that. And it, there will be a pass. Uh, I definitely like that angle as well. Raiders at the Chargers on Monday night football. Brad has a bet in on this one. As we sit right now, the Chargers are three point home favorites over the Raiders. This number has come down uh, a pretty good bit. 52 and a half to 53 and a half is your total right now. Brad, you are on the Raiders. Let us uh, let's hear the explanation behind this one. Yeah, well, you know, I'm obviously Mr. Mr. Charger. You know, I've been banging the Chargers drum for the last couple of weeks now. Um, but I think the, the number's gone too far. Obviously, you know, they were seven point underdogs last week. Now they're three and a half point favorites. Uh, for starters, they're probably not going to have any home field advantage at all, right? You would you would assume LA, this LA crowd mm. is going to be, I think, probably more more Raiders than than Chargers. So let, let's call that you know neutral field essentially. Um, and there, there's nothing really in the stats so far this season to suggest that the Chargers are three and a half points better. Um, you know, the, the Raiders are better by offensive DVOA by um, PFF's offense grade. Um, the Chargers are a better defense, you would say. Um, and I am somewhat worried about this Raiders offensive line. Um, you know, we, we thought it was a weakness at the start of the year because, you know, three three starters walked um, and they've had more injuries throughout the year. They, they've got away with it so far, but I don't think they've played a really elite defensive line like, um, you know, like, like we might see here with, with Bosa going after him. Um, but, you know, it, you, you could say similar for the other side of the ball. The uh, the Chargers right tackle, uh, Storm Norton, is is a liability as well. Um, so he's going to have Max Crosby in his face. So, yeah, I, I think we have very, very similar teams. I, you know, I do think the Chargers are a point or two better, but I can't get to three and a half points better. Steven, uh, I live in Las Vegas, so I actually have a very unique strategy in this one where I'm going to be waiting till right before kickoff and hope that the home team gets uh, all of the money and I'm able to get on the Chargers at like two or something like that. So I have a completely different strategy in this one than most people are afforded. What do you think here as the uh, as the Raiders head on the road to take on the Chargers? Didn't have a strong opinion on this game, uh, but I do agree with what Brad said. The I think the Chargers are maybe getting some home field advantage in this price that they probably shouldn't. And you know the the question I have is, you know, if this keeps coming down, like what's your stop point, Brad? Like we're at three and a half here early in the week. I think a lot of people might be seeing this number closer to kickoff when they hear this and might have a, a three minus 10. Is there a stop point for you on the, on this bet? I, I, I personally probably wouldn't bet my plus three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the, the margins are so thin. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that would be where I'd go. Uh, plus, you know, plus three and a half, minus one fifteen is probably where I would go to. 
which which yeah. is currently available, but uh, obviously it depends when you're listening. You know, one of the things we're going to need to to monitor as well for me is it, it, look, this Chargers defense has been banged up, and hasn't played that well. Anyway, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's weird to say they haven't played all that well and they just come off of a win against the uh, against the Chiefs. But again, the Chiefs turned the ball over four times in that game. I mean, it was it, and and a couple of those were just just gifts to this Chargers defense. And so you kind of look at the advanced metrics: twenty second overall DVOA. They're thirty first against the run. Now, not that the Raiders are are going to some power running team or anything like that, but um, are capable at least of moving the ball on the ground. I think the offense is, is more than capable of, of moving against this defense through the air as well. So something to keep a, an eye on as well as Chris Harris going to continue to be out is, is Bosa going to be limited again. I mean, those things are certainly something that could sway your bets as well. So we'll, we'll keep monitoring this injury news up until Monday night. Of course, we'll have a video standalone video over on the YouTube channel as well for you to kind of continue to break this game down uh brad you already said your favorite bet of the week is seattle plus three steven what is your favorite bet of the week that you have in the account i like the giants plus eight i like that a lot and if you're listening to this scrubbing through go back to the beginning i'll give you all the reasons why but i like i like giants plus eight and i like some teasers i'm six and oh on teasers this year i'm hoping this isn't the week that the teasers go off the rails finally it might happen at some point but i also uh, really like kansas city minus one baltimore plus seven and a half as a teaser Yep, that is that is for sure for me. I think Kansas City down to one, Bucks down to one. If you wanted to go that direction, if you wanted to go taking uh, the the Ravens up to seven and a half, I really like the Ravens this week. I think this is just a a very that game is completely different if Hollywood Brown doesn't drop two touchdown passes, and I think the yep. perception of this game is completely different if Hollywood Brown doesn't drop two touchdown passes or and and arguably a third that he dropped as well. I think that this would not be sitting where it is right now. And again, such a huge step up in competition for this Broncos team. I just think that the wrong team is favored in this game. Boys, uh, we're coming off a good week here in week three. Hopefully we keep the ball rolling here in week four. Feeling pretty good about the bets I have in the account and feeling pretty good about the ones I might still make yet to come. If you want to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. For Brad, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.